this week's edition of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club at the Athletic LA. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, continuing our deep dive into sports movies. Not a, still not a ton of basketball. A little bit signs of hope, Andy. The Lakers got back into their facility this week, so maybe, just maybe, we'll get to a place where we can talk basketball and do sports movies podcast because this is kind of yeah. Fun. The the NBA is inching slowly, very slowly, very cautiously towards potentially picking the season back up again. Like you said, the Lakers opened up their facilities. They are among others around the league uh, starting to open up a bit again. A lot that still needs to happen before we're going to be uh, re-entering an NBA season, but these steps do matter. And hopefully we could start uh, covering the Lakers again while still doing yeah. these sports movie deep dives because they're fun. Um, so our movie this week, we thought we'd try something a little different. It is Senna, a 2011 documentary. Uh, won a BAFTA, Andy, for Best Documentary. That's the British Academy Awards. It was really well received. Number 17 on the athletics list of the 100 greatest sports movies of all time. 93% on the tomato meter, 95% audience score over at Rotten Tomatoes. So it's certified fresh. Always important. It uh, it chronicles the car- uh, career of Brazilian Formula One legend Ayrton Senna, who some call the greatest driver who ever lived. He died in a 94 crash, uh, an on-track crash. Uh, gets into his rivalry with famed French driver Alain Prost, his conflicts with leadership in Formula One, what motivated, motivated him as a driver. Uh, his deep faith in God, Andy. Uh, Senna was a devoted Catholic, um, so that that plays into the story. His incredible popularity. I was going to say what it what it was to be an icon. His yeah, spirituality. There's a lot happening in the movie. Um, so yeah, and you know his importance to Brazil particularly comes through to it at, at a time when the struggles of that nation were particularly acute. Um, what was interesting for me, and I know you and I talked about this heading into the documentary, Brian, was that I literally knew nothing mm-hmm. about Senna at all. I mean, we, when you and I were going through this list, try, we, we actually narrowed it down. Okay, let's find a sports movie on documentary, uh, on Netflix that neither one of us has ever sports, seen. Yeah, just like a sports we decided movie. That, that sport, right, a sports movie this week. We decided neither one, we wanted to do one that neither one of us had ever seen. And, um, and we ended up landing on Senna. And that was, I, I remember I went through a list and we threw out a bunch of names but in throwing out Senna, I didn't actually look up what the what it was about, and that matters because I had never right. Heard and, of that it. Ma- and that and like, that matters because I, I neither one of us are race guys. Like I'm not a Formula One guy, a NASCAR guy, none of these things. Um, but I knew enough of the story of Ayrton Senna to know how it ends, and we haven't even mentioned that. Like he dies in a ninety in a crash in 1994. He's been dead for what is that 25 years now, give or take. 26 years. I knew that. And so what I was, and I didn't realize that you didn't know that until we started kind of just trading texts like, hey, where are you in the movie? And what do you think you want to talk about? Oh, I, I did not know who right. he was. Like, I didn't know. Like, literally, what, you didn't mean even like, what, like why it was no, a sports doc. I, I did not know. I assumed that Senna was somebody's last name. Yes. I did not know who he was, what he did, you know, what the documentary would be about. If you had asked me before this uh, who Ayrton Senna is, I'd have had no idea. Like my, I, my answer would have been, Side I don't note, know. Yeah. I, oh, I'm sorry. It, finish your thought. If, if, I had ever, if I had ever heard his name before, because, you know, he, he really rose to prominence during a period where 
I mean, not only did, did I not follow racing because I never have in, in any of uh, any of the leagues, I honestly didn't follow sports like to the same degree that you did. Like when we were right. growing up, when we were kids, you followed I was, everything. Right. Even, so like a right. Even level. if it wasn't something that I was super interested in, I still just right. I consumed and, enough sports center and sports right. pages. And, yeah. and I was never and I was never that person. Right. I subscribed so to Sports he, Illustrated. He, I read I read them. Right. Right, exactly. And, you know, I there were a few sports that I followed pretty hardcore. But if I didn't follow that sport, like I paid right. no attention to it whatsoever. So this was truly for me like a blind experience on top of it in the the league of racing that I know the least about relative to my ignorance in the others. Like I don't know really much about any of them. But I know more about NASCAR and I know more about other ones. Right. You know why? Whatever. You know why? Is I, Mer- is America. I, they're American. <laughs> no, but it's well, no, I mean, they're, for real. They're domestic I mean, sports. You and, I, you and I covered the Indy 500 one time right. for a magazine assignment. Like, so went into this thing really, truly no knowledge whatsoever. Right. It is among the blindest I have ever walked into any movie. And what's ever. just real quick, so what, that I think is is one of the things that I want I want to ask you about the movie generally. But it's also an interesting reflection of just, and I don't I don't mean this is criticism of you. I mean, but like just how I kind can of take provincial Americans are and American sports are. Like if you asked in 1994, like. I actually like who is the best quarterback in 1994, the, you know, the most prominent John Elway, whoever it might be. If you asked 100 Americans, who is more famous around the world, John Elway or Ayrton Senna? Probably 85 percent of Americans go John freaking Elway, man. I, I don't think it's right. That but low. Like, I don't or, think it's know, that low at all. I think you're going in. Right, you know, Derek Jeter, whoever you know, Mark McGuire, whoever. Yeah. And whoever says Anyone but Ayrton Senna is so wildly wrong about the answer to that question because outside of America, heck, even inside of America, a lot of people don't know who John Elway is. You leave these shores, you go to another continent, nobody knows who John Elway is. But, you know, the, these guys are inter- like the most famous race car driver in the world is one of the most famous human beings in the world. We just don't well, we just don't pay attention to that here. Particularly too, I think for something like Formula 1 that's such global a sport, global sure. sport beyond I mean except right. for America. But like other than North America, like other than, you know, United States I mean, I, they, I, know I there I think there Canada are F1 sports or F1 races in it, but like maybe there's one. Right. But I but I'm just saying like it's such a global sport except right in the States. So if you're talking in particular about an F1 driver, then you're really talking about somebody that for an American athlete to be comparatively as famous, you got to be talking about like a Michael Jordan or like Kobe. Like, you know, we we saw when Kobe died, that was a global But you know what? I bet at, you know, maybe it's different. And I, I, again, I'm pleading ignorance in terms of like where IRL is right now on the global landscape. I still am willing to bet the Q rating most of throughout most of sports history, the Q rating the last 30, 40, 50 years for the most famous race car driver globally is higher than whoever it is in basketball. But I mean, 
Maybe, maybe it is. I, mean, I don't maybe. know. I mean, some of this has to do with the way uh, I mean, the game has shifted. Itself right, itself has exploded. The basketball is one of stuff. the only exceptions, I think, too. But if you pick any other American Agreed. sport, because basketball really isn't Agreed. even an American sport anymore. I mean, I think that's underlying what you're saying there is like, that's the difference. Like, Amer- basketball is not an American sport anymore. It's a global sport. Baseball, still American. Football, still American. Um, we're only now getting to a point where Ronaldo, uh, you know, Messi, people like that are starting to penetrate the consciousness of American sports fans in a way that they're doing everywhere else around the globe, where at least we understand, okay, we don't pay attention to Ronaldo here, but he is a god everywhere else on the planet. Um, but well, I mean, yeah, go ahead. The- one of the things the movie really drives home that, I mean, you and I have both been aware of, but you really see it in, in you know, Senna's rise and, you know, eventual death is just the way athletes around the world are so differently received and, and revered and sort of their, their job as athletes is so much different than it is for American athletes playing in American leagues. When you're talking about somebody like Senna, they really end up becoming like a representative of their country and like a source of pride well, in their country. Well, particularly for countries and, where, you know, like Brazil, particularly Brazil in the 90s, late 80s, 90s was sure. a train wreck of a country. It, 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 yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that the movie gets into is just the, the poverty going on, you know, in Brazil in particular at that time and what Senna came to represent for the, for the citizens of Brazil. And I know like, you know, we've, We've worked a little bit with um, Bob Bernquist, the skateboarder who who is from Brazil, and he he's talked to us before about like you know the poverty in that country, which you know he he grew up in, and just like the way think you know the way athletes, you know just what they mean, I think to people, like the hope that gets provided, but I think also too like in in areas of Europe that are more well off, if if you are a famous athlete from that region, because the rest of the world competes more globally than Americans do tending to be more insulated with right. their leagues. It just becomes a different thing. It becomes a really different there there is a hero worship of American athletes, you know, inside America, but it's a different well, type to of your hero point. Worship. I think, you know, that's why like, you know, when, we, when the Olympics come around, we get all super patriotic about it, but we don't know who like it's the principle of we're America and we shouldn't lose to, you know, Croatia in anything. We shouldn't lose to, you know, why, why were people so upset that America, the American men's national soccer team didn't make the World Cup? It's A, we should make the World Cup. We, you know, supposedly have come a long way in international soccer and blah, blah, blah. It's also, we lost to Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, like, we're not supposed to lose to Trinidad and Tobago in anything. I thought it's not fair. It's two against one. Um, but... <laughs> wow. We are you telling me Andy we couldn't have beaten Trinidad or Tobago? We would have beaten one oh of them. God, but keep, both? That's not just fair. Just keep going. No, just it's a, that's going. a good joke. It's very unusual. <laughs> um but you know, but it's part of it's just the principle that in America we don't lose in stuff. Whereas like you say, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. Like in in other countries you're just you're used to having your sports league, your soccer league, your whatever it is, populated with players from other places. Here it's, again, other than basketball, you know, baseball has sort of the Latin American players and stuff, but it's still, you know, kind of a an American sport. It's not an international sport in that way. No, you know what, the, you know what is actually the, 
This is where you think see, it is international. Yeah, a lot of Americans sort of think of it as a as an. Here's American where sport. I think you see. Here's where I think you actually see, at least from our experience covering sports, and you and I have covered a, a decent variety from in terms of different ones we've been around. The, I think the closest comparison that you get is in baseball when you have like a Japanese pitcher on a, on a team or like a South Korean pitcher on a team. We've seen that with uh, Takashi Saito with the Dodgers or Hunjin Ryu um, with the Dodgers as well. You will have like two or three reporters Two or three are assigned. Sometimes it's well, five or six or eight. Like Ryu had sure. like okay. seven people following. Saito had like well, six guys. Right. But my, my point being though, the, these guys have reporters that are specifically assigned to cover them during their season for the Dodgers. And, you know, they write about them every day, whether those guys happen to step on mm-hmm. the field or not. And like their beat is right. Hunjin Ryo. Like that's the beat. And Ryu in South South Korea is a god. Like he is He's a BFD, huge that's for sure. In South Korea. And he he comes to, you know, sort of represent South Korean pride in a way that Americans playing in whatever overseas never do because we as Americans consider those well, leagues, those ventures. Well, they are. I mean, they, they, but that's the, I was about here. to say that's the other point I was going to make. Like it's it's a matter too of when there are other, this is part of the, I think gets to what the point I was trying to, it's a better way of getting to the point I was making before, why we think of baseball, you know, which is played globally and, you know, every roster in America has, you know, players from probably six, five or six different countries on it. But everyone comes to play in our league because our league is the best. It's our sport. The exception is soccer where our best players go play somewhere else, except we don't care about soccer. So we don't care that, uh, what's his face? The the kid who plays in Germany, I can't remember his name, which is awful. Uh, he's the best young soccer player in America. He went off to play in Germany. And like that, because we don't really care about soccer, that's not a big deal to us. And so, you know, the best basketball players in Europe come play here. The best ba- you know baseball players in Asia come play here. Um, and so it's still our stuff. Um, so I, I think that all of those things are important. And, and, you know, as we start to get back into the movie here a little bit, my, my question to you is this, who do you think this is for? Um, because like I said, it gets into Senna's racing career. Uh, it picks it up, really picks up in like the late eighties. It only covers about five or six years of, of his career. Um, it gets a little bit into a rivalry he has with Elaine Prost. Uh, it gets into some of the questions he had about in his conflicts with, you know, the the, the leadership of IRL um, and the people who ran it, politics, um, about his significance in Brazil, and all of these things until his death in 94. I can't tell if it's – I couldn't totally tell if it was for people like – you and really me as well. I mean, I knew who I Senna was. I didn't know a whole lot about him. Is it for people who don't really know the story of Senna to the point where maybe they know that he dies in the end? Or is it for people who are hardcore racing fans who knew the whole story? And I think my biggest criticism of the movie is that I don't know if it knew. I think it's I think it is more geared towards the latter. Because okay. I felt like watching the movie that there was a lot of assumed mm-hmm. knowledge 
Like, for example, and, and I think in, in certain ways, because there's that assumed knowledge, the movie falls into problems by not picking enough of a lane in terms of really telling the story, like really deciding, drilling down on what it wanted to get into, whether they really wanted to get more into Senna's career, whether they wanted to get more into his spirituality, whether they wanted to get into what it meant to him to be this truly you know, national icon for, for Brazil. Like there, there are these different elements, you know, or did it want to really to take a look at sort of the politics of F1 and, and, you know, the rival between him and Prost. And I think because it assumed a fair amount of knowledge, it allowed itself in a way that I don't think helps the movie to dig deep enough into any of it. Like, like for example, like the, the stuff about the politics of Formula One and the movie the movie states, if nothing else, Senna's opinion, but the, the movie doesn't try to uh, dispute it, that F1 favored Prost a lot and at his expense, particularly early on in his career, that Prost played the right, politics The commissioner of IRL well. was a Frenchman the, who the, you know, was friends right, he was with friend, Prost. I mean, they, they, and, they, they, right. they don't come out and say entirely that you know, it was a French connection. So, no, but so they are, speak, the, two, they are the villains of the story, or Prost and the, right. and the, the commissioner of IRL. Right. But the movie doesn't actually explain, okay, what are the politics of F1? Because that's something that I was wondering the whole time. I'm like, okay, what exactly are the politics? How do you be political in this sport? Because other than, I guess, knowing each other, they don't really explain what Prost did to like work the angles. And there, there's stuff in the movie that I feel like, you know, presumes knowledge from the viewer. Right. And perhaps they were correct about it because the movie did very well. So maybe they did ultimately find the audience well and identify who it would be. And certainly it was received really well. But I felt like they 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 just felt th that they that they knew that the viewer would be able to mm -hmm. keep up. And because of that, they wanted to go kind of Cradle to grave, so to speak. Well, yeah, and not really dig enough into. One I mean, I do appreciate thing. the fact that for a a movie, and again, like I think it's an interesting time to talk about this this doc, and it's part of the reason we picked it is because the Last Dance. It's a, it's a very different reason, you know, than why we picked Space Jam uh, during the Last Dance. Talk about it with Dave McManaman a couple weeks ago, um, but still in sponsor, still uh, inspired by the same film. Or the same documentary, and so you know, it's one of these deals where I, 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 I am happy that they really didn't spend a lot of time on his childhood. They didn't spend; there weren't a lot of deviations off of. They picked up basically at his racing career, tried to explain what makes him who he is, and his racing ethos and his ethic and all these other things, which was very much about the purity of racing, of yes. racing. like the the. All the commercial elements of F1 were the things that he never became comfortable with, even as he was massive and even as he was, you, you see in the movie, very, very particular about which teams he would join. As and, presented, you know, and this is one of the things, as sort of as presented in the film. And I, and I think, and, I, yes. and I, I don't know enough about the story to know exactly like, you know, I read a little bit, Elaine Prost didn't really love everything about how he was presented, thought it was a little unfair, thought of certain things were one-sided. And it is very clearly a movie 
that is told to on, that is made to honor Senna, that is told from Senna's point of view, that is meant to honor Senna's point of view, um, that is very sympathetic sympathetic to Senna. Period. I mean, either we're talking about a guy who was, you know, who died doing the thing that you know, and, and you know, death always creates legend. I think in that way, um, I think it's. Um, it's it's hard to tell stories about dead heroes, uh, which is something that I I, I think I want to get to later in talking about some of this, just in terms of like this idea of a Kobe documentary. Um, and so there there are challenges here, and you know you can't you know the, one of the big criticisms of the Jordan doc, Andy, is that you know it glossed over certain things. You know it really didn't push Jordan on some of the more controversial aspects of it. It's too one-sided, whatever. But at least they did make him sit in front of a camera and talk about the gambling thing and address the thing about his dad and the murder allegations and address, like, you know, they at least asked the question. The murder rumors. You know? The, the, yes. And so that's obviously an option with this. You can't go back and say, you know, I heard, there are a lot of people who think, that you your ego was part of the problem here. What do you say to those people or whatever? And even if you don't press him, you still make him answer the question. It just I think that's part yeah. of the challenge of this. And I think they worked around it reasonably well, but it also makes it difficult to feel like you're getting a full picture of this guy. I felt like they kind of walked up to the edge of certain things of like, okay, he's not perfect, but we're not going to quite tell you why. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, I didn't feel that the movie suffered as much from, I guess, potential hero worship that way, um, or I guess sort of the way you interpreted it, as much as it, it just felt to me like, and maybe this is also, I guess, uh, potentially a function of it centering around somebody that's no longer alive, but I, I felt the, the movie didn't, I, th I felt like the movie didn't take you as much inside Senna's head, period. As I would have found, as I would have found interesting, even if they wanted to take you inside his head in a way that would have been fully flattering. And I don't know if it would have been right. or wouldn't have, but there's a lot of psychology to Senna. Like, for example, you know, the, you'd mentioned like they don't spend much time uh, with him at the beginning with his childhood, but there is an important detail from that childhood where, you know, he began kart racing. And he said that to him, that was the purest right. form of racing. I actually thought it was really interesting like they do he, it at the beginning and the end of the film. Right. And that was the point where it seemed like Senna as a racer was actually happiest, mm -hmm. you know, before it became a business. And, you know, it's it's a reminder that for all the, you know, for all these athletes across sports, no matter how how passionate they are about their sport, at the end of the day, this becomes mm -hmm. your job. And everybody thinks there's something that's a drag about their job. But that, you know, sort of the way he was formed from childhood in terms of how he felt about racing and the way that changed upon it being his job, the way clearly religion was instilled in him as a young, uh, as a young kid. And you could see it in, in the way his parents both mm -hmm. talked about him. And, you know, that, that pursuit of spirituality in a lot of ways felt very intertwined with the way that he raced, you know, again, like the purity of it. He, he said many times that he would feel a connection to God while racing. He would feel a connection to God before racing, you know, and I, when I was hearing him talk about that, I, it, it kind of hit me how we, we talk about players all the time. I mean, we hear players all the time 
you know, either thanking God after, you know, after a game or, you know, they'll, they'll go to chapel, um, you know, before games begin. And, you know, they, they intertwine that spirituality into it. And a lot of times, you know, they go in there asking God to protect them, you know, protect their opponents during the game, make sure nobody gets injured. And that's all sincere. And, and I understand why. But it's different when you're talking about a, a sport like mm-hmm. racing, where, you know, the, the risks to your health are far more severe than the overwhelming majority of even like what football players, you know, like even, you know, boxers, like, you know, the. No, I mean, the, the, I mean with the rare exception, you know, boxing is a, is a sport that kills you over time. Racing is a right, sport that exactly. kills you instantly like, if it kills right. you. You, you, yes. I mean, like you, the, these guys are really, really risking their health out there. And it just took on this interesting, yeah, you know, sort There's, of form of athletic spirituality that, like a lot of things in this movie, I would have liked I, to have and I wonder, more about. I wonder, Andy, if part of the reason you couldn't delve more into maybe there just isn't enough footage of that. Because the movie is, I, the I movie does a good job, I think, of not, there are a couple, there's a, a, a former uh, race reporter from, from ESPN who does a, you know, does some commentary a little bit, but it's very little voiceover. It's all done through old clips and interviews and stuff that, and this is, this gets to some of the things that I really liked about it. And again, I, I thought this was a good movie. I, I did not think it was like a, I was like, oh, I don't, it's not like I didn't understand why people liked it. I was just, again, I no. think I just expected something that was going to be different than it was, maybe a little better than it was, or just Revel more revelatory than it was. Um, I, I liked the way it was constructed with all the, this sort of archival footage, and the the only real VO comes from people sort of talking about events currently. Not even necessarily, you know, not the stuff that came after. Not you know, really talking about him personally, but just hey, I was there, and this is what this was in the moment, and here's what, I, and. I thought I think it's very tricky because you know it's it's old for and there's a lot of stuff that made you feel maybe this is common in racing I don't know, but it made me feel like I was seeing things that most people didn't get a chance to see in inside of race meetings you know the driver meetings and things like that which I know happen, um, but I'd, I'd never seen footage of them before like you got a feel for how the sport worked so I wonder maybe if there's just a limited amount of the kind of thing that you were looking for, because to have other people explain Senna's spirituality in that way, I don't know if that would have been effective. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, obviously I don't right. know how much footage there was of Senna. I don't know how much Senna talked about this publicly. I mean, they obviously, or you know, in some... private, like who maybe he talked about it all the time to other people in private, but who's going to film that? No, but I'm, I'm just saying we actually heard him mm-hmm. talk about it. So obviously he had talked about it publicly. Sure. We hear it in his voice. So I, you know, I, I walked into this, not even knowing literally who right. he was. So I have no idea how much he talked about it, how much they could have, you know, made it a documentary, for example, about the spiritual nature of this formula one legend. Like in it really. Well, I, I do think that. they do a good job. This is something else that I liked about it. You know, I, I knew he was that he dies, um, that he died in a crash. You, you know, we were talking about. You kind of figured it out. I mean, at some point, you start to say to yourself, "I wonder if he's going to die because otherwise, why is he not in this film? Like, why do they not talk to him at all? Why is you know there are no contemporary footage?" 
But I, I thought they started to do you know, throughout the movie a good job of layering some of these things up where you hear about his faith and how that plays and how, you know, there's an interesting moment at the beginning of the movie, near the beginning where Prost says, you know, part of Senna's problem, and they were teammates initially, part of uh, his problem was he thinks because he believes in God that he's immortal. And then you, they show Senna, he's like, that's absurd. That's not what that means at all. Um, you know, those two, I, I fear death is, you know. No, if anything, his spirituality was because he knew that right, it wasn't. You know, I fear death as much as the next person. I just believe this is how you're supposed to race. Um, you know, you if if you don't constantly push yourself, if you don't constantly take the opening when it's there. There's a lot of Jordan in this. There's a lot of, you know, if Michael Jordan were a race car driver, he would have sounded a lot like Ayrton Senna in terms of like, of course, I'm going to take that opening if it's there. Well, but this is important, though, to point out, though, and this is part of the conflict that, that's in there that's presented between him and Prost, is the, they were teammates, you know, mm-hmm. as as Senna really started rising to prominence. They were teammates together for McLaren. And one of the setups of, you know, F1 racing for people who aren't aware, or just the, these different racing, is you're part of this team, and ultimately you're trying right. to have your team, your sponsor, well, have, y- yes and no. Success. I mean, it is an, it's a weird package. Cause I mean, we see this, you, know, you see this in, in, you know, sort of domestic IRL racing too. It's like you're on a team with, you know, generally speaking, the best teams have two guys. Sometimes you might think three or whatever it is. And you are there to, you know, the team is supposed to be supportive of each other. Um, you know, you share information, you share technology, you share telemetry, you share all that stuff, but you are still ultimately in an individual sport. You know, it's like there's not a team champion, you know, maybe there is, but like the goal is not the team championship for the drivers, at least it's for the driver to win the championship. Right. But the point being, though, if McLaren, for example, has the opportunity to for, to have a champion, to have a, to have an overall champion and say Prost, but you need him to finish with a certain amount of points and Senna, for example, wouldn't be in that type of contention, you know, or would have a harder route towards contention. I think there is a oh, certain yeah. Senna is supposed to help expectation. Win. Yes, correct. right. That's my point. Is and Senna really approached racing with a purity of I don't care about any of that stuff. That to me isn't the point of it. Well, like, and, and it I, actually, I got the impression Prost didn't care about that stuff either. I mean, he, he was. Oh, I think. I mean, no, Prost. I think did because he would he would measure his points he right so that he could win. Stuff. He wasn't interested in winning, or he was interested in winning. The overall individual that's, title. Yes, that's exact. That's exactly. But not what I'm not saying. necessarily he interested was, in the he team was, thing. He was interested in himself. The goal there was always, if I can finish fifth and get what I want, I will do that because the risk of trying to finish third doesn't help me or finish first. Sure, but yes, um, but there's there's the decorative element of winning that I think mattered more to Prost than it did to Senna. And, you know, it reminded me actually uh, of Steve Prefontaine and the stuff that gets uh, explored in the movie Without Limits, which is a fantastic movie that people should see um, about how uh, Prefontaine was, didn't want to be strategic about the way he went about winning and, you know, didn't want to try to just play the odds in a way that would be safest to win. He wanted to push himself like in winning and running like like an artistry. And I think that's very much how Senna approached racing as well. Like well at least as yeah, as you're it's presented to be, in the film, certainly. Like yeah, that that's exactly 
you know, that he, if, if his choice, if like I could finish third and get what I want, or I could try to win the race, he's going to try exactly. to win the race now. And then, and, and stuff like that, I think, you know, appeals to a lot of racers, or at least it seems like it does. And not right. And Prost, you know, was his, his approach was my, my job here is to win the overall champion, you know, title for the year, not necessarily win every race. Um, you know, it's sort of like, I mean, there are other sports like that where you can finish fourth, you know, NASCAR is like that with their points thing now. Like I forget, I, I don't, I, I don't remember, nor do I care, but it was a few years ago. I remember some sort of controversy where somebody was winning the NASCAR points race and hadn't finished above like sixth in any one race or something like that. And there was a lot of criticism of like, but the guy was like, look, I'm, you know, there are a lot of ways to do this and I'm, I, you know, this is my goal. And so, the other thing that I think is bizarre about this, and they get into it twice, it happens twice in the film, it's it's different than other sports where, you know, maybe there's an equivalent of it. I can't think of something, but like twice it came up where Prost and um, Senna were competing for a, you know, the overall points title in, in uh, um, Formula One. And one, you know, like Senna needed to win – and uh, Prost needed to finish like fifth. But if Senna doesn't finish or doesn't win, then Prost wins the title. All Prost needs to do is run Senna off the road, which is a lot of, in a lot of people's minds, exactly what he did. And then like two years later or whatever it was, the positions were exactly reversed. And Senna just needed Prost not to finish. And what seemed to me very clearly ran him off the road. Like, where like it's, it's it's a bizarre situation where one person can win a title by sabotaging the other and it's just it's a fascinating wrinkle in this very weird sports world that neither one of us knew a whole lot about yeah it, it's it is very strange and it, it's it's something that again in and i for somebody like me I think this is something that the film gets into, and this is another thing that I, I liked about it. I found it successful. Like they they kind of put that out there. Like they they get into some of the weird idiosyncrasies of racing and like why this sport is what it is in that way. I agree with you. They don't explain how the politics work or why certain things are political, but they do a good job of of articulating i think what the context of the world is that these guys were operating in so i like i like that yeah, i thought that I mean, was a cool part of the movie yeah i mean and it was certainly it, it was interesting to me i mean even as somebody that it has still has no interest in the sport it was interesting to see just sort of how that mm -hmm. works and, and you know the the way these racers are pitted against each other uh that's counterproductive in terms of the actual sport itself and what you're really in a perfect world supposed to be doing out there, you know, exposes the flaws of a point system to begin with. Um, I still though felt like at the end of the day, the movie, and maybe this was, again, maybe these were difficulties created by Senna not being alive, but it just felt like there was so much psychology, whether of Senna as a racer, Senna as a human being, I found him very interesting and I wanted to learn more about him, which says something considering the fact that I really, yeah, I, I had no baseline in, right? at all. So, so it could have, it could have just as easily been me being like, 
all right, you know what? I didn't know who this guy was 20 minutes in. I've discovered the reason I don't know who, who he is is because I've never had any interest. You know, and he's just not somebody I would find interesting. I actually did find him interesting. And also, I, I really did you find wanted, the racing part I, of it to be – you just don't – like the racing aspects of it were probably less interesting to you than the other things. Well, I, that is true, but I felt like my – my disinterest in racing notwithstanding, I think a lot of the racing footage in this film, while cool from a technical sense, and they have a lot of stuff from, you know, like cameras in Senna's car, and, you know, they they create a pretty good sense of what it's like to be in that car. And, you know, it's it, you get a purview, for, you know, looking through the, uh, the windshield and, you know, it's loud as hell. And like you, I think you get a pretty good idea of how cramped it is and and what it would be like to be in there. But I do think some of the racing footage, though, and the reliance on it, whether as a a directorial decision or what they were forced to do because of certain limitations, I think it comes at the expense of learning more about Senna. And it's a weird thing to say, but I actually think the movie would have benefited from less racing. I can see what you're saying. I mean, I, I think it was I think it was a little bit overdone at times. I, I will say the the way they use it is if you if you watch the film, like there's a the the sequence, the last 15, 20 minutes before the crash that kills him, um, you see you really start to feel this buildup, this sort of sense of foreboding that's coming. He they talk, you know, about his faith, about his he's constantly more worried about driver safety he you know they talk about the way the cars were changed that made them more fair in terms of the driver being the thing that determines because the other thing about racing is like it's not just a matter of who is the best driver it's also who has the best car and the best driver can only overcome so much of his teammate team's uh inadequacies in preparing a car and so, you know, there was a season where Senna wasn't doing well because a lot of you know, one one team had just, you know, uh, you know, basically had mastered this sort of computerized uh, versions of the car that which they eventually outlawed, which made driving harder and more driver centric, but also less safe. And they do this nice well, I mean, build Seth- of what you know, this sort of sense of foreboding and for people who knew how, what was coming. To me, like it was, it was quite eerie to feel this build because I was wondering how they were going to handle his death. And the the sequence that they show of him driving before that crash is yeah. very powerful because it's this long yeah, – you talk about how they used a lot of race footage. There's no sequence in the film that is longer of just inside the cockpit with, with Senna than this one. It's I, I didn't go back and count it, but it's tens of seconds long, which for a film is an eternity. And it just drives him, and and you know what's coming, and now you know, and now you know. And if you're a racing fan, you really know because they've reached the race where you know it's happening. For me, I knew because there were you know nine minutes left in the movie. It, I I found that very powerful. Yeah, it was that that part of it was very very well done. I mean, there there were certain uh, scenes where they used race footage that that worked very well. I mean, the the race that he won in Brazil. While having only a six, yes, year. that was really cool. Because you know what be- they didn't explain though, and maybe it's just me being an idiot. Why is it hard to drive a race car that's only in sixth gear? 
I think just the ability. I'm, I'm guessing the ability to never be able to downshift to and only you have to be hold the. Wheel. I mean, I, 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 I can make a lot of guesses yeah, myself. You, I really wish somebody would have explained it to me. Maybe it's just well, my I mean, own idiot. Here's but sure, but I mean, here's what you do know, and they make clear that that is basically impossible yes. to do, and that that's something you should not be able to do, and you know that that's the mastery and you know the artistry that Senna has mm-hmm. as a driver because even with a massive lead that is not something that anybody should be able to pull off because you're not supposed to be able to drive like that and you know they they make it very clear in the movie and this is something that I think they do actually well in the movie and, and manage to support reasonably well that he is considered just a masterful mm-hmm. driver like that he like he is as skilled as anybody that is out there. And, and it's one of the reasons why he actually, you know, uh, he very much objected to a lot of these computerized cars because like a lot of things in F1, he felt like it went against- Right, the ethic. You know, is, the, is, the is it a contest racing. between the car makers or is it a contest between the drivers? And I think, right. and this, by the way, is this is a, a controversy and a conversation that extends throughout all racing. I mean, NASCAR- you know, moves back and now they pay again. I don't pay super close attention, but they move back and forth different seasons between, you know, a lot and a lot of it is safety based. Um, you know, what makes the car safer to drive often makes it levels out uh, the differences between drivers. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, these are these are not things that are isolated to Formula One. Um, the other thing that I thought was really cool about the faith and, and spirituality of them is they link they every time something good happens. Senna was a master. I didn't know this, but Senna, Senna was apparently a masterful driver in the rain, which said to me two things: they drive in the rain, which I thought you know because when we did IRL when we went and covered the Indy Five Hundred, like when it rains they stop. These people just mm-hmm. keep going at least for a little while. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't know they did that. But also, like all these great things happen, and like every like when he won in Brazil, it rained. When he won his first big race, it was raining. Like, like it was made like this sort of connection where rain almost became like a like a spiritual symbol. I thought that was kind of cool too. Well, well, I mean, you know, when you're a little kid, you're told, you know, rain is God's tears, and you know, I mean, there's all there's always. I I don't even I don't mean that as a joke. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's there is that direct connection between God and rain, and he clearly looked to see God in pretty Mm -hmm. much everything. You know, while while he was while he was racing, I think also too one of the things that brought out the best in him with rain on, on these courses. Is it makes, makes it, it right? It really brings out who's the and, best driver. And that's it brings out the best driver, but also I think it it this is the type of thing that made him, it seemed like, want to race mm-hmm. in the first place. Like the like the the challenge and, and the the puzzle of doing that and, and the yeah. artistry of it. Again, I, I can't stress enough. It seemed like he really pursued racing as like an art form, as a craft. And that was something that that again, like the whole structure of what he was doing once it became a living, you know, butted up against his beliefs on it. The other thing that I really wish that the movie had explored more, and for whatever reason they didn't, um, was just what it really meant to him to be a Brazilian icon and the, either the pressure of it, the pride of it, whatever. Well, I mean, I think know, the, the pride of it, I think, was clear. I think the pressure of it could be interesting. I mean, it just. Just everything that it meant. He was very clearly somebody, proud of it. I, I, I didn't think they sure. failed in demonstrating that. 
I don't think they failed in demonstrating it. I would have liked to learn more. I would yeah. have liked to learn like real, just more about it, especially too, because he was somebody that unlike a lot of the people that worshiped him in Brazil, he grew up mm-hmm. comfortable. You know, he, he actually, he, he really never spent any time in his life economically stressed, at least. Nothing that we learn about. my understanding right. and certainly, and in particular, being a hero to a country that is so depressed as somebody who didn't go through that right. themselves. He's not like a soccer player who came through the favelas. And, yeah. Right. It's a, you know, but like, exactly. I, I, like, you know what I, I go back to is like, I feel like for you, this goes back to the sort of the conflict I wonder if the filmmakers had, which was who is it for? Um, and Maybe. Like for big racing fans, I wonder if they would have either A already sort of knew the answers to those questions or if they would have been like, okay, this is interesting, but I want to know more about him and Prost. I want to know about the, 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 the leagues. You know, then you know what? If, if, if you wanted more about him and Prost, and again, I don't know if you could have done this, I would have rather seen a, just a documentary that, yeah. that, is essential, that is essentially like forget just about their relationship and their relationship only – I would have preferred to have seen a documentary that was just centered around that one race in Japan. I believe I believe it's Japan where Senna could have ended up winning and Prost goes and complains. Right. Or the, uh, to the other the one where, where in the first turn, right. Senna essentially, it seemed to me, again, you're right, cuts off sort of like turnabout is fair play. You did it to me a couple of years ago. I'm going to, all I need to do is keep you from finishing and I win. So that's what I'm going to do. He was so mad. But I think it would have been really, like, I, I think it would have been interesting to really yeah. just drill down on that. Like, the, the movie, have you ever seen the movie Rush, the Ron Howard yes. movie? Um, that movie came out a few years ago. Um, it's another Formula One movie. And it's about the, the rivalry between Nicky Lauda and James Hunt in the early mid-70s. Yeah, I was um, surprised. It's actually it was a good movie. It's terrific. I really, really liked it. It's number 61, mm-hmm. by the way, on the Athletics Top 100. I went into this movie w- with no real expectations. It just was on uh, cable one day. And I said, all right, whatever, I'll watch it. It's I really liked yeah. it. And, you know, that again, same sport, same league that I have no interest in whatsoever. But I think what really worked well is it got into the psychology of Lauda and Hunt and who they really were. And, you know, some of that is the actors being involved, good writing, whatever. But I think a big part of it was that was the design. I see, okay, so and, let, let and, me ask you this because I, I, I want to save a little time for, for a couple of these questions, really particularly the ones about Kobe because, you know, we, we've touched a lot on the – as we've gone along, some of the questions that about Last Dance and some of the advantages that they have in, in telling the story mm-hmm. – um, with that and some of the even with some of the hero worship issues, but it's even more pronounced and the parallels are even closer with Kobe. So I want to make sure we get to that. I think the biggest challenge with any documentary, and this is true of all storytelling, and anybody who's ever written a script will tell you this matters, but with documentaries in particular, biopics, whatever it might be, it's not just the execution of the story, what kind of footage you use, where do you get your sound, all that. I think the biggest challenge that goes into it is is the editing before you even begin, when you have to figure out where are we going to start the story and where are we going to stop? Like, you know, in theory, Last Dance is built around 
that final season, 97, you know, what is it, 97, 98? Um, I should know that mm-hmm. by heart by now. Yeah. It touches yes. on earlier stuff. It goes back. It kind of frames the story. It tells you, but it doesn't spend six, you know, it doesn't spend three hours on the Wizards. You know, it, it, you know, it, it leads you. But they had to figure out, okay, what are we telling? Even in 10 hours, they still have to figure out, what are we, where are we going to start? Where are we going to end? What are we going to put in? What are we going to leave out? This is an hour and 40 minutes, give or take close to, you know, it's, un, it's an under two hour documentary. So you have even a more of a challenge there. The self-editing process, and they do a pretty good job. They said, we're not going to do 20 minutes of Ayrton Senna as a 10 year old. It's 88 through 94, basically. And it still runs into the, some of the, the problems of what do you tell yeah. and what do you not? And I it's don't not know, easy. I, you know, I, it's easy for me to sit here and say, I wish I'd seen more of this. I wish I'd seen more of that because it's so close to me to being like a, like a wow documentary, like this super compelling thing. Like you say before about a, a person that I knew about in your case, didn't know about at all, but didn't know much about and didn't, you know, didn't care in that sense. So my question to you, Andy, is this, let's think about that Kobe documentary. You know, which was in the news a few weeks ago, and you know, followed the footage around, and like maybe coming out. The footage is all of him in his twentieth season. How the hell do you tell a story of the Kobe? How do you tell the Kobe? Di- is it just that last season? But if you just tell the last season, the context of that last season is created by the nineteen that came before. You can't tell the story of the twentieth season without talking about his Achilles tear because that frames everything. The player he was in his twentieth season is that guy who has to walk out of the game the way he does because he he blew up his Achilles. That was the, that was functionally the end of Kobe's career. But can you tell the rest of that story without going back to the stuff that came before? I mean, can you tell a Kobe story without talking about Colorado? I don't know the answers to any of these questions. Well, I mean, look, in terms of what we know they had the most access to and you're the most unusual, unique access to, which was that last season, the the real challenge I think is going to be the elephant in that in the room, which was how that season was in a lot of ways a high profile punt and a high profile Yes. Waste. Absolutely. Because because as because you know, it was I want to make tour. Clear. The whole season was well, a PR yeah. tour. Yes. And, and again, to be clear, Kobe absolutely. earned that. Kobe absolutely earned that. It, he did so much for that franchise. And, I, you know, the, around the league, you know, his contemporaries wanted to say goodbye to him, wanted to salute him, all of that. I mean, like the, all these, you saw fans like in Boston wanting the opportunity to give Kobe the standing ovation that he deserved. So, I mean, like the thing was, as you said, in a lot of ways, PR and whatever, but, it, you know, it was deserved, but it, it came at the expense of the development of Julius Randle and D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell and at the time, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., like these young players that they were high on and that practically speaking, yeah. they should have been far more concerned was, about. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then what you did with Kobe playing, you know, like every other game or, you know, once they settled into what they were doing, like every two to three games at Staples Center, like, you know, and, the, you know, they would practice one way with Kobe, one way without him, play one way with him, one way. I mean, the whole thing was, like I said, a very high profile punt 
And it ended with oh, a man, right. last game for the ages, which was incredible. And again, right. but there was it all. there was this there was a decidedly sort of don't look behind the curtain thing. The, yes. the, here's the yes. here's the show. Don't look over here because like the whole like they won that was the year they won 17 games, right? Like they won was, 17 the, the Utah game on game 82 was their 17th win. Um there was very much like a please pay attention to Kobe, don't look at what's going on so, with the rest right. of the franchise. So I'm I'm wondering, do you address that? Yeah, but in in because because that's that is in some ways the most but honest who's part telling of it. the story. I mean like who's I don't telling know. the story? I don't what's know the, the right I mean, and when in, in in his passing what is the right what, what what is the balance between hero worship between hagiography between honesty and mythology i mean a certain amount of i mean almost like a certain amount of mythology in a kobe documentary almost feels appropriate because so much of kobe's life and career was myth making and mythology and and all these things i but like, you know, so I mean, I think like trying to decide, like, could you make the movie about, you know, basically just that last game and kind of a couple little flashbacks, a couple little things, but like, you know, you can't cover his, you can't make a Kobe documentary that covers the totality of Kobe Bryant's career, unless it's one of these, you know, 12 parters, 14 parters. You certainly can't, well, I mean, can't I guess two hour documentary if you want to make it theatrical in that way. Here's the question that I think ultimately answers answers this, or the the question you have to ask to answer this, and and I don't know the answer to it, and I don't know who knows the answer to it, but why did Kobe want to document it? Because if you know the reason why Kobe wanted to document it, then at least you have a blueprint for how you would approach it from here. It's obviously not going to be the same way, and we know from the experience of Muse that Kobe very likely would have been hands-on. Right, but for people who don't thing, know, right? like they Famously. had a whole movie, Kobe watched it and said, nope, that ain't it, and they literally started over. Right, so the, the reasons Kobe wanted to document this in the first place, I think have to inform how you go about doing this. You know, that, that's how you pick the direction you want to go in. Whether that would be, you know, either in our opinion or the opinion of the fans, whatever, the most interesting I don't know, but I mean, the truth is that season, after a while, other than for people on the road it was, it who got to so say goodbye tedious. to Kobe, it, it even for home fans, I mean, we saw, you and I hosted uh, the post-game show for ESPN 710 during that period. Fans it were was, getting, local yeah. fans were getting it tired was. of it. It was because, it, and, and because they won 17 games that year. Right. It was a terrible And because season. I think after a while, for after a while for them, you know, if you're not in a different city, potentially seeing Kobe for the last time, seeing Kobe play in the Garden for the last time, seeing him play in Chicago for the last time, uh, where Boston, wherever, if it's not that, if it's just another game at Staples that he might play in, might not play in, but either way, you know it's undercutting the development of Randall and Russell and all right. those guys, for a lot of local Laker fans, it felt Pointless. Even even acknowledging that or the very least, just like all. until like the part. Okay, we know where this is going. Like the end, we'll give him the big tribute. But like, what's game fifty eight? It's like what's game right. sixty two? You know, you know it. And of course, had any of us known that what four years later or whatever it is, he'd be gone. They, I think you know we we all look at each one of these moments differently. But of course, 
But it's just that's going to be the challenge. I think is just figuring out why did Kobe. Yeah, and this is assuming that that it happens at all. Just the the challenges, the challenge. What this, what the Last Dance drives home. What, um, Senna, I think drives home, and what this hypothetical Kobe story drives home is is distilling the life of a person in a documentary, a person, a team, because, you know, Last Dance is about the Bulls. It's, it's, a, it's about Michael Jordan. Is monumentally difficult work. And, yeah. you know, is it journalism? Is it filmmaking? Is it art? I mean, it's like all these other, because most of the criticisms of The Last Dance are, I think, fundamentally journalistically based. Other people might disagree. But you make it. I have very few criticisms of just is this entertaining or not. Like everybody thinks it's super entertaining, even the people who have problems with it. But the the problems are journalism problems. You know, Senna has been gone for 26 years. And, you know, at the time this movie was made, it was 17 years. It was 2011, I believe the movie came out. Um, 17 years is a long time. You know, yeah. when a Kobe documentary was, you know, when all the reporting, at least the initial reporting, the answer to when would this movie come out was way in the future. So that makes it like if it came out in the next year and a half, two years or whatever, then I think we're still close enough to that time that I think a lot of people would look at it as a piece of journalism and not a piece of filmmaking. And I certainly don't want to be in LA when we have these arguments because good God, they're going to be messy. But it, it just, it is very, you know, in, in biopics, look at, you know, the aviator, the DiCaprio movie, uh, where he's Howard plays Howard Hughes, where they go through three really significant portions of his life. And it, it does, doesn't work. It's too much. I, I don't know how you distill Kobe Bryant into a, into a two hour documentary. I don't even know how you distill him into a 10 hour documentary. You, you, they tried it with Jordan and people were still ticked at the lack of depth in certain areas. So, uh, anyway, yeah. It's it's going to be an interesting challenge again, particularly without Kobe available to lend that perspective. Uh, but those those are some of the big things. I mean, that you know that 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 came to our minds when we were watching this movie at a really interesting time uh, with with the last dance finishing up and some of this other news. We have though reached the point eighty where we have to give Senna some rings. Just because we changed format up, just because it's a documentary, doesn't mean we don't give out rings. Andy, what is your one yeah. ten ring score? For Senna, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a seven. I, I I found it interesting. I wanted though to. I think it could have been more mm-hmm. interesting, and I, I just I wanted more. It, it was it's you know interesting, what it could have been unsatisfying. Longer. It's a I mean I I generally yes. praise movies for keeping things really tight, and it all but like it actually could have been 15 minutes longer. I. I found it interesting, but unsatisfying and overrated, um, both by whoever. And I can't blame myself. I did not vote on this movie because I didn't right. know about it <laughs> until it. now. But, you know, there every documentary on our top 100 that I that I've seen, I think, is better than this movie. Um, whether whether it finished ahead of it or behind it, I think is better. Like Dogtown and Z-Boys. Well, you love that. I mean, my, you particularly love that movie. Right, but I, I love it, and I have yeah. more. I was going to say I have more of an interest in the subject matter inherently. That being said, I think it is better storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think it is vastly better storytelling. Um, but again, I don't want to leave the impression that I thought it was a bad movie because I didn't. I just found it unsatisfying. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm also giving it seven. 
And I think the biggest reason is that same kind of thing. I think I just had, I think my expectations were unfair. Um, but I, I mean, at seven's well, we gave her the same, we gave her the same rings, and I had literally seven not- is a pretty good score. It's not like we both thought it was bad. I mean, I, I could be persuaded to drop, you know, drive it up to an eight, but I do try to be like, sure, you get an eight, nine, ten, and like, like those are, see, those I could are, be, you probably could be, go lower, I think, but. I was going to say I could be much easier right. uh, persuaded I just, into a know, six than I. I feel like you know, like it's like a seven. Like is it's I'm 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 picking the winner in six games, but I'm either thinking it's more likely to be seven or five. I it's a good movie. It's worth seeing if you've never seen it. If you like IRL, or sorry, uh, Formula One. If you like racing, um, it's 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 totally worth two hours of your time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just I wanted it to be a little better. I had. I think higher expectations and I didn't love it. And I think for a movie to be an eight, nine or a 10, you got to love it. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to go with seven. I'd go, Solid I'd seven. go seven. You're a shaky seven. A shaky seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a shaky seven. Um, all right. So that's Senna, the documentary from 2011, which to us raises more questions about other documentaries than <laughs> necessarily did the one that we just finished. Um, we'll be back next week with another movie, uh, perhaps another guest again, uh, Forum Club here on um, you know, the Magic Hour on the Forum Club at The Athletic LA. Is that right, Andy? It's a lot of I believe so, yes. Uh, see everybody next week.